who, hi, hello. Oh wait, I we should probably do the welcome thing. Yeah, you do that. <laughs> hello and welcome to the HA podcast. No, the book cl- HA book club. I'm Summer Tool. I'm a romance author, and I am with my co-host of the day, Naomi Loud, who is also a romance author. Hello. And. I'm mildly freaking out because I just sent out arcs for Hate Me and messed up half of them and it's a whole thing. But if if it didn't mess up something, it wouldn't be normal. And great timing because Naomi and I are releasing our second books in our series within two days of each other. And this episode is going to be basically us just talking about how nervous we are. Basically. (laughs) (laughs) And then I just happened to send out arcs like right before, so... I'm a bundle of nerves. I was literally going to say a bundle of nerves, and I was like, oh, is that too on the nose? (laughs) We're not doing weekly hots anymore. Okay. So, instead, our welcoming question Mm -hmm. is, what's your favorite quote from... From what? From which one? From all times? <laughs> my, my thoughts. Are, I know. Like, I'm two different tracks. Okay, let's do your favorite quote from Was I Ever Real? Real. And then our wrap up question will be your favorite quote from your work in progress. I did not think about that one. You, or it could just be a favorite one. But yeah, I have can pull out some stuff. Okay, so my favorite was ever real. There's a lot because there's this like thread with within the book that's about the devil. So there's a lot of like good devil quotes. But I'm looking at the quotes that I already put on Instagram, and there's a classic. So one of the classics <laughs> is maybe I should fall to my knees and ask my wife for forgiveness. Would that please her? dude i'm like it's gonna be so personally offended like even more so by anybody who like doesn't like (laughs) what they ever hear real like it's literally like one of my top favorite books oh thanks i'm (laughs) upset Okay. I'm I'm also obsessed and I really don't feel like I should be all coy about it. Like I'm literally obsessed with that book. <laughs> no, you should be. I feel like if you're releasing a book that you're like It's like natural to have doubts, obviously. Yeah. You hear me like every other day being like my books. I know and Did I'm like know? please shut up. But overall, you're not going to release a book that you don't like. True. Like we're always hoping that authors are writing books that they themselves want to read that's the whole point of writing i find yeah write the book you want to read do people write books they don't want to read yeah some people do they like force it out they're like oh this is what people think that they write what they think people want instead of like truly what they want to write luckily Mm. we're obsessed with dark romance (laughs) luckily we're leos luckily we're leos so we can just be obsessed with our own Creations. (laughs) Creations. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Wait, wait. <laughs> what about your quote? So us. Oh, mine was. Damn it. Where'd it go? Okay. Oh, please hold. 
Okay. Oh, this quote is actually where the last line in the blurb came from. Ooh. Tell me more. The darkness in his eyes slams into me, but it doesn't scare me. It compels me because I know it's depths. Like, have you ever realized that depths is so hard to say? Depths. It's a design flaw. Anywho, like the serenity and wonder that accompanies the terrifying chill you get looking into the black of the deepest ocean, the deeper the darkness, the fiercer the love. I love that shit. I love it. Okay, wait. So, <laughs> funny story. What? Me and Gabby were getting drinks, and it was at this, like, cafe bar thing. And they have inside outdoor seating. And there was a ton of people there. So, like, the servers are constantly walking yeah. by. And there's this one dude who just, like, straight up was, like, a Wish brand cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> he was... Okay, so he was wearing, like, a tight, like, black t-shirt tucked into black jeans with the belt with the silver buckle. Mm-hmm. Had, like, patchwork tattoos mm-hmm. on his arms. Had a mustache. Hello! Oh. I know, and I was like, I was like, okay, Gabby, next time I need you to get a picture of this guy because he looks just like Naomi's character. And we kept trying, but she like kept checking it out every time because she's like, it's so obvious when somebody takes a picture. So I didn't get a picture, but then I did look on their Instagram. Stop. And I found him, but it's not, it doesn't serve like. Her vibes. The full thing. Yeah. That is hilarious. How did you not sound- send this to me yet? I'm gonna send this to you in the chat. I he definitely is a Wish brand version. Yeah, okay. It's <laughs> Hello? <laughs> That's, what I... That's what I'm saying. And that picture doesn't like do full justice because it's not like the whole ensemble. Right. Yeah. That's why I didn't send it to you, because it's like, this isn't low-key offensive. <laughs> it's low-key offensive. What are you most nervous for for your release? I think I'm the most... Honestly, I'm fairly confident about the book itself, TBH. But, and this is going to sound super Leo, but I feel like I'm the most nervous about knowing the full potential of this book and fearing that it's not going to be not that it's not going to be well received but it's going to be received by a limited certain amount of people and not like all of the people (laughs) yeah you know what I mean and I know that it's only my second book of all times and I need to pay my dues and that's totally fine but I do still feel like this book is like perfect for literally everyone no it is so I think that's what I fear the most. What about you? I think I'm worried a little bit about the, like, non-con, dub-con scene in the very beginning. Yeah. And I feel like you can put as many warnings as you want, but there's, like, some things that, like, some readers just are never going to get past or are, like, not going to think is hot or is not. But ultimately... Or it's going to be, like, too much to... Ultimately, they're just not your readers. You know what I mean? If that happens. It's like when I had this one review, the girl said, I really hate the word cunt. And I was like, don't read my books then. (laughs) Because I love that word. But yeah, I understand. Yeah. For sure. Because like when you're putting non-con in your book, you're definitely not quote unquote playing it safe. You know what I mean? 
you're risking it and that's normal yeah oh man i've also told you about like my you've heard at nausea yeah. how nervous i am for like the dirty yeah. talk i knew that was coming i was waiting for you to say it i was waiting because one of the things that people liked most about make me was cash's like degradation and praise yeah. king and there's like a touch of that yeah. but finn and effie's relationship did just didn't lend to that. and that's totally fine and i find that like yeah. also you've done it why not explore a different type of spicy dirtiness what if people read it and they're like this isn't this is where it might have it's in we've talked about this in private but like for me we i have the same fear but different where the biggest feedback for was i ever here was how it reminded them of poetry and then in book two and was i ever real it, there is some flowery aspect to it but definitely not as as much as was i ever here because the characters didn't lend to it can you imagine mm-hmm. connor being flowery no so so that's my fear of people yeah. being like oh this doesn't sound like naomi you really have to yeah. listen to the characters or else it will, it will feel forced in my opinion that's a really good point like when you have something that aggressively stands out as like oh, a character wouldn't say yeah. this, it can like interrupt your reading experience exactly one thousand percent yeah i keep staring at myself <laughs> in the video <laughs> i cannot not do that like it's insane how is this release different from your first one? Because this yeah. is, I've, I feel like you, I feel like we're at the same level, yeah. but this is only your second book. And I'm like, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, that's the thing. It's my first published book. Like, Was Ever Here was my first published book. But like, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was interesting to see how people are like, wow, I can't believe it's her debut novel as if I had never written a word before this. And uh, that's not true. So I've been writing for over a decade and like very seriously. So was I ever here was stressful in the terms of learning the ropes of indie publishing. That was, I would ask a question and then have 10 follow-up questions at all times. And I felt really lucky Mm -hmm. that I had people that were in the world already and were like super willing to give me all of the info. So that's, I think, is the biggest difference for me when it comes to Was I Ever Real? Because everything is a lot smoother. Like, I know, and I like things to be, like, done at a certain time. Not time, but, like, I'm very organized. So to be able to, like, literally plan out my entire calendar and be like, and know exactly this is when that's happening, this is when that's happening, really helped to streamline everything. So knock on wood, everything was, like, pretty quote-unquote easy for this one mm-hmm. what was your biggest difference between this one and me so gabby had said once maybe it's good that your first series didn't really do so well because you kept at it imagine if you wrote your first book and it did amazing and then you would have like performance anxiety yeah. like how do you follow up that and i was like no if it if it did great i would be like my beliefs would be confirmed yeah. we're leos we're like spurred by this yeah but then she was absolutely right yeah i definitely noticed that in your inner turmoil with book two i want to prove that's not like a fluke yeah especially because like you went from like make me was like what we call quote-unquote over an overnight hit really it went like from zero to like a hundred 
within the first week of release. So I think it wasn't that it was just a success. It was a great success and it continues to be. So I would definitely feel (laughs) stressed. You know what I mean? I would definitely feel that way. I think that's why I like, I always knew that was I ever here was going to be like a slow burn when it comes, when it came to the success of it. And Mm -hmm. honestly, I'm actually totally okay with that because it allowed me to, I don't know, build with it. And I feel like I'm an entirely different person than the person that published that book six months ago. And it's crazy. It was only six months ago. It feels like a lifetime ago, (laughs) literally. So Yeah. yeah, like I'm okay with the idea of it just building and building book by book. You know what I mean? Yeah. For that exact reason. And I feel like you had the chance to... You didn't really have growing pains. In what way? Like, it's like, it was your first book. Yeah. And it had some momentum. And now your second book is going to have even more momentum. But because your first book didn't, like, boom, you didn't have to, like... As you gain your handle of the ropes, learning the ropes of self-publishing, you, like, could do that at your own pace. 100%. And, like, I understand. It's so funny to me to observe that publishing a book every six months is, like, in our field of, like, romance authors is, quote-unquote, not that fast. And, like, that in itself, I was literally talking to someone today where she's going to be about to publish her first book. And I was like, put zero timeline on your... You're learning while you're writing. Don't try to emulate these authors that literally have a formula down to... And so for me, even, like... I could probably technically could push out books faster at this process of having a little bit of wiggle room to breathe and do the thing. And it is intoxicating, though, I must admit, to know that every book you put out will, in one way or another, double your income. I understand why people do this and why people push out books after book like that. But I'm, I think I'm also very okay with the idea of not being a full-time author until... I don't have to feel like I'm like hustling it. Exactly. Like going full time once you already have a backlist that is sustainable. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Because you're on a pretty fast timeline. Or do you find that it's fast? I find it's fast. Not in a bad way, but I just, it's stressful, isn't it? Like, oh no, it's exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, so my plan was like so make me and hate me we're like really close together in terms of just writing and make me I wrote in a month because I changed my publishing plan so it was a rushed process and then hate me was a rushed process keep me I have a little bit more okay good but I've had my like writer's block issues <laughs> so I'm like worried I'm gonna end up in the same position oh. where I'm like trying to book in a month so hopefully that won't happen and then after the fourth book in the Fox Family series is supposed to release in October okay. and then I don't have anything else planned okay. and I was like if I could bang out this series fingers crossed it does well yeah. like I will be able to sit on your laurel and take a break. Yeah. yeah. But now I'm like paranoid because I took a month off in December and I like was convinced I lost my ability to write. That's just so I'm not like, true. 
I know. It's not a thing. So I'm like, I can't take three months off. But maybe I can. Yeah. Who knows? I want to go to Scotland. Oh, my God. So <gasps> I'm dying to go to Scotland. Because right now, my, like, year is really busy just in terms of, like, releases. Yeah. And I have five weddings. Oh, Jesus. But hopefully by October, it will kind of be, like, I'll be able to enjoy the hard work I put. So October in, would be that. the fourth one. So you have four books set up for this series. Then the third one, you're planning mm-hmm. ballpark when? To my editor, April 3rd, and releasing June 1st. Okay. Okay, you have a little bit of time. Yeah, so months to write it. Yeah, I'm dying for this, like, I'm leaving for Mexico literally three days after the release. And, like, having three weeks of, like, just complete mine vacation, I think is going to be, is going to do me a world of good do you think you're going to take it, though? <laughs> like, you weren't going to start Can writing <laughs> Bastion's book until after this trip, and then <laughs> you're 13 chapters in. And 20% in. The thing is, I think I'm really taking advantage of the time now because I know that I'm going to have three weeks off, and I think, like, my brain will never stop not like, it won't stop, but I'm not going to be, like, writing on my computer. Like, I might be taking notes and thinking about it, obviously, but, like, fully writing and, like, doing all the things, no. Especially because in Mexico, I really love to be as disconnected from the internet as possible. And, I don't know, I love, this is the thing I find, this segues a little bit, but I find that romance authors especially, or just indie authors in general, because we're all on a very tight timeline and we're constantly just writing, writing and editing, writing and editing. It doesn't allow space for something that is like crucial for all artists and is to do nothing. All creatives should do nothing. It's recommended. So it's interesting to see and observe a lot of authors end up completely burning out because of it. Mm -hmm. So I really don't want that. I think that's also what is happening is that I finally, I'm 34 like I've I've gotten to this path a little later to a lot of people if I compare myself what you're 26 yeah right yeah Yeah. 26 crazy to me so like for me to have found this path and like absolutely be like enamored by it and obsessed with this I think it's like making me more even more aware of wanting to continue and for it to be sustainable. So if that means taking my time a little bit more than others, I'm totally okay with that. What are the books that impacted your writing? Do you want a slight origin story with the book story of like how I started writing? Yeah. Because they're like paired together. So I've I've always ultimately re- wrote like I I was like writing poetry while my brother was playing hockey and I was just like <laughs> not <laughs> watching and then I would write like super dark emo short stories when I was a teenager so I always wrote but it was when I was 26 actually so your age when <laughs> Anytime I think about my age, I get stressed because I think of myself as like 22. So then when I realize I'm like have four more years that have passed, I'm like, no, I know. Like me saying 34, I'm like, wait, what? It feels not true. It's bizarre, but I'm okay Mm -hmm. with that. So yeah, when I was 26, I went back to school for marine biology and then 
quickly realized that I was like not into mass <laughs> at all. And I was like, oh, I actually just to be in the ocean. I don't want to like study science. Mm -hmm. So that was like a major kind of breaking point where I was like, okay, either I move back to Montreal because that was like on, on the East Coast. Either I move back to Montreal and not go back to school and figure my shit out or like I push through and I choose another major or whatever. And so I had been gifted this book called The Artist Way. Have you ever heard of this? I think from maybe because I literally talk about it all the time or as as much as I can. So The Artist's Way was this book that had been given to me like a few years back. And the thing about that book is that it's not just a book you can sit down and read. It's like a 12 week program, basically, that you do on your own. And one that I knew the funny enough it's my like super abusive ex that gave me this book so like the one thing that came out of this fucking relationship was this book it's so crazy so he gave me this book and being like everyone I know who actually completed this book because we know a lot of people that started this book but who completed the book they it changed their lives they're like full-blown artists after that they just became full-blown artists and I was like crazy so I started and stopped that book plenty of times until I had time on my hands because I was like slowly <laughs> not wanting to go to school. So I was like, I might as well do this. And I did complete it. And by the time I finished that book, it was like, a f like it, it wasn't even a decision anymore. It was like, oh, I am a writer. This isn't just a thing I want to do. This is like who I am. And I will do everything I can to become the writer that I think I have the potential to become kind of thing. And, uh, and then I went back to Montreal and basically we said, okay, if I'm not going back to school, I'm going to teach myself how to write. Like, I'm going to take it seriously and start an apprenticeship, basically. And then I did that mm -hmm. for like years. And I wrote a memoir at the same time. And that was the process of me teaching myself how to write was that memoir. And then I also, then it became my hyperfixation. So then I started reading like a million other books. So I do have other books that I can suggest for sure. But that was the big one. That makes sense why you're so talented. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was like, for me, it was like learning the craft was the biggest thing for me. It was very important. And I think I'm also a person that's very, I'm a perfectionist. So I think I wanted to be as good as I could before I showed the world finished product which is funny because now looking back was I ever here there's a lot that I would change but I had to just publish it yeah. I had to just do it it's funny I feel so differently yeah I'm curious to know what what I like don't consider myself an artist which technically I am like I really? get that but yeah like I've never really thought of myself as an artsy person and even now like if somebody was like you're an artist I'd be like no I'm not <laughs> not in a bad way just that doesn't like resonate, resonate with yeah, me yeah, yeah. like during the pandemic I got into bullet journaling and I'd make like little collages and stuff and I kept joking like that I was an artiste <laughs> because I couldn't even say artist oh my god like for me like artists I'm an artist first most likely than an author like I am an artist in my soul yeah me. I'm not which is so weird because like writing I love so much and Obviously, there's a lot of creativity yeah. in it, and I'm not as focused on the craft. Now I am more, because I have a community who's, like, 
pushing me and like I have to show up for. And I'm bullying you also. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's good though. I always tell people like, because they're like, oh, how did writing a book in a month go or whatever? And I was like, I wouldn't recommend it. Like by the end, my friend was just being like, it sounds like you just got tired and stopped writing. (laughs) (laughs) So keeping me on track. But I've always been one of the people who's like, if I'm not going to be the best at it, there's no point in doing that. Yeah, same. So when I started writing, it was just like a pandemic project. It was just supposed to be like for fun. And then I was like, oh my God, I could publish this. How funny. But it was never like, I know I was like, it would be so cool if I could be an author. But wow, that was not the goal. And it was like the first thing I've ever done that I was like, okay, not being the best Mm. at because I was doing it because I actually liked it. So, so you never, when you were a kid, you were like, I'm going to be an author. I want to write books for a living. No, I did have that. I always said like, I want to be a writer, but then. And I was always, and I was always like writing little stories yeah. and stuff, but then it's perceived as like winning the lottery. I know until you discover that indie authors can just create their own lottery. What the F? It was crazy. What a world of change to discover that community. It was crazy. Seriously. And that's one of my like best or things that I would tell somebody. Yeah. It would be self-publish. You can always go trad. You yeah. can always go hybrid. Like, you can do whatever, but don't let somebody else decide whether or not, like, you can write your story and publish yeah. it. And also with self-publishing in particular, but also just writing in general, you learn by doing. Yeah. So, like, I never read craft books, but also that's because, like, the artist side of, for some reason, detached from. But you can't read and study your way into being a yeah. good writer like you just have to do yeah. it and like clearly like you read books and stuff but you also were exactly writing. I was doing both at the same time yeah the other one, it's funny it's interesting because like to me reading the like reading about writing wasn't necessarily like me obsessed with getting better through reading the books like for me I felt like those books were like inspiration like Mm -hmm. the way for me to be like I can do this I can continue doing this and by doing this literally writing like that's always not annoyed me that's not the right word but like when people are like yeah I write too and I'm gonna start writing and then they just don't do anything and they're like oh but I need to be inspired I'm like sucks to be you because that's not how it works do you realize how many times I've written this chapter without zero inspiration (laughs) quite a lot yeah don't you agree I always yeah I think there's like a balance of not forcing Mm -hmm. it or pushing it if you're not inspired because then you start to like overanalyze what you're writing instead of just writing you're thinking like what comes next or what word do I Mm -hmm. use next but so not pushing it if you're not feeling it but also giving yourself a chance like regularly to feel it you know what I mean every morning I will sit down to write and like sometimes it's successful sometimes it's not but I give myself at least the chance to see if it's gonna be working that day you have to I'm a big believer of routine when it comes to writing so it's like you're 
I'm also extremely spiritual, right? So there's a very little side to like how I practice the craft, let's say. But there's this concept of muses, right? Which actually comes from The War of Art, which is another book that I was obsessed with. And the concept of muses is like, they need to know where to find you. So you have to be like sitting at the same spot, doing the same thing day in, day out, if possible. Mm -hmm. For them to be like, oh, we know where to whisper inspiration into your earbuds. And I always love that concept. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Of just showing up, basically. Yeah. And it feels like this is such a different analogy. (laughs) Can't wait. Because, wow, very different. But do you ever look at your hands when you're writing or, like, typing on your computer Mm -hmm. and they're, like, moving and you're not thinking about it and you're spelling things with your keyboard just because it's, like, muscle memory and you're, like, what is happening? Yeah. Um, Like, the way that, like, your fingers have memorized a keyboard sometimes I feel is magic in itself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that has been really on my mind lately. (laughs) No, but it's true, though. No, I understand what you're saying, though. And then writing is if you just continue to immerse yourself in it and continue to immerse yourself in reading and writing, it just, you don't have to think about it. That's the book, the biggest, and of all the books I've read about writing, that was one of the, so that could be one of the best, the best advice you got at the beginning was you need to read equal amounts of how much you're writing. You have to, it's like output and input. And I find that once again, a lot of readers, writers forget that part after a while because we get so caught up in our own craft and writing and publishing the book that we forget that like we got here because we were reading so much and it doesn't of course at one point you can't read as much as you used to but still make a point Mm -hmm. of reading would be in my opinion that's a really good point because that's something that I like have been severely lacking and I feel like you gain so much from reading like subconsciously from reading other people's books and like words and how they use sentences and whatnot that when I'm trying to write and I feel like I'm writing the same sentence again and again I have the same metaphor again and again what was the best advice you were given or I guess that was that it that was like That was like an advice that I definitely got from the books. But one was also the other one that like really I was like really I took really seriously was when you're starting, everything feels daunting and it feels like you need to have the best notebook and the best pen and the best software and all of the things for it to work out. And like ultimately, you can literally write your story on a napkin and it would be the same. So it's that you have to have that feeling that everything needs to be like completely perfect for you to start writing because then you ultimately mm-hmm. not, you will not start writing. So it's to find the calm through the imperfection of just doing it and not, and also I think one of the big, biggest things for me was also to be told that your first draft will always be horrendous. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's never going to be good or as good as you want. Like, mm-hmm. it'll never be perfect. And it to be able to sit in that imperfection was a huge thing. And not feel and, and not have your ego connected to it either. Because yeah. you just... Because I find that, like, debut, like, baby writers or baby authors are very connected to the sentence that they put on their on the page as if it's going to be, like, the best thing that they've ever written when everything is just 
always change, changing and morphing into something else. And it doesn't matter if you think that sentence is pretty, it can be even 10 times better, most likely. What about you? I, when I first started Stolen at Sea, there was, I forget how I met her, but it was somebody who I met and she was like training to be a book coach. And she was like, oh, you're writing a book? Like, I'm doing this training. Like, I can give you like a free session or whatever. So she read like my first few chapters of Stolen at Sea, which ended up being completely different <laughs> and helping me with plotting and stuff because I had never considered story and plot. And like, I watched all those like YouTube videos and I was like, this is confusing. I'm just going to ignore it all. And I think that I'll be able to write a <laughs> Like I w- read enough books and watched enough movies. Like I got it. But I think the best thing that she told me was like every scene needs everything needs to have a purpose and like to be furthering the plot or the development of the characters because if not it's not a story it's just like a string of random scenes and I I agree now that's just blowing my mind (laughs) no but I agree (laughs) like yeah changes how I look at everything and plot everything it's because and like I agree like a chapter definitely needs a purpose But also not all chapters need to be furthering the plot technically. But like you said, you're like, sometimes the chapter is there because, okay, your readers need to learn more about the character some way, somehow. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. To write, honestly, and like, no flack to all the writers that write like super long books, but I could literally physically could not do that. (laughs) Because I feel like I'm very, not limited but conservative about the amount of words I put into a book and like the scenes I put. I'm very aware of, okay, like you said, is this useful or not? If it's not, then why the fuck is it in there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really like short and sweet. I've realized. I think my like books are always going to be more or less 80 to 90,000 words. And that's it. That's my sweet spot. Yeah. Do you know what I loved is that somebody asked Nikki St. Crow, like in an Instagram story or whatever, like, why do you always write novellas? Are you ever going to write yeah. books? And she was just like, I don't think so. If it comes to me, like I will, but she's like, this is just how I enjoy writing. It's how the story unfolds. Yeah. Like, she was like, I don't have the patience. So why would I? <laughs> I remember seeing that too. And I was like, I feel you. Yeah. And I was like, that's what... Like, I don't really even look at word count until towards the end when I'm like, oh, I hope this isn't going to end up being like 150 pages. <laughs> I'm quite obsessed um, with word count. <laughs> yeah. And you got your like percentages yeah, yeah. and word, like yeah. arcs and stories acts. And I'm like, I- this is a spice scene. And now I have to get something else down. <laughs> Yeah, that for me, it's interesting because as much as I'm a pantser, with uh, that part, I'm definitely a plotter. Like knowing, but yet again, I think it comes back to me liking structure. So I I like knowing where everything is going and like how many, and it's for me, it's like a, it helps me get like, not excited, but not inspired either, but it keeps me going to be like, okay, I have this much. You have direction. Yeah, okay, I have 4,000 words left to the midpoint. Oh my god, how exciting. You know what I mean? For me, that's like how I work. Do you really consider yourself a pantser? Yeah. 
1000%. Because I feel like we plot. Do you think we plot? I think you plot more than I do because you have a full page of plotting. I don't. Except for book three, this is the first time that I've written down chapters where I like pretty much knew what, it, what where it was going. But you know what? You might have a point because I find that the more that I'm writing, the more I'm becoming a plotter. And at the beginning, I was much more of a pantser. But I do know, though, I think I may be a mix of both because I do know that when then I get into my head and I'm like, oh, I don't know where this is going. The solution is to just sit down and write it because ultimately, like, the scene 85% of the time will decide itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I definitely, so this is me like talking astrology, but being a Libra, there's a thing about needing that like soundboard. And that's where I think the plotting comes from is I just need to hear the thoughts outside of my own head or else then I'll get Mm -hmm. confused (laughs) as to where things are going. You know what I mean? But yeah, but you're definitely more a plotter than I am, in my opinion. Yeah. Because let's say, for example, book three... I'm a plotter in a very like short term sense. Like I'll know the next few chapters, but I literally at this point have no idea how it's going to end. <laughs> like I have a vague yeah. feeling of like where it's going, but nothing like yeah. I'll let the characters decide. <laughs> That's what's like interesting is like trying to break down what is plotting and what's yeah. pantsing. Because at some point Like, I just have a sentence of this needs to happen or this needs to be accomplished, whether that's, like, a betrayal or a kidnapping or, like, whatever. But, like, how? I feel like it's always... Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I think you are a pantser because plotters literally have this down to, like, bullet points. Yeah, same. That would never be me. I'm, like, a big picture. Yeah, same. I like the big picture, but, like... When it comes down to what happens within that scene, then, like, fair game. Like. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I never, like, pre-plan what, like, the restaurant they walk into. Exactly. Like. like, I might have. People do that? I don't know. You're asking the person that hates description. <laughs> <laughs> How do you get, like downloads or do you ever get like bursts of a quote or a scene and like when and how do you get those I get them and this comes back to allowing space to have inspiration I really do believe in the magic of nothing of doing nothing and letting your brain just wander so for me especially in the summertime I go on like really long walks And I'm not like, oh, I'm going to go for a walk and I'm going to think about this book. No, it's, oh, I'm just going to go and let my mind wander, which I've realized is also why I don't like audiobooks because it, I also do this when I clean. I can't, I need to be, I need to allow my brain to wander and you can't do that when you're reading or listening to an audiobook. So I always create time and space during my day to just have that like mindless, wander you say you like think about it when you go to bed don't you yeah it's not voluntary. yeah that's crazy it's like i'm i like lay in bed and i'll get like little quotes that will pop up and then i try to repeat them over and over <laughs> so that i remember them by the morning and sometimes i don't i also get them on like walks and mm-hmm. stuff something that like saved 
my ass for make me and hate me was going on like really hard runs Mm -hmm. listening to the playlist and they were really hard because I'm like really out of shape it's not like I was doing like a marathon (laughs) but just going for a run and going fast as I could like at certain points or like listen to certain songs and I just felt like it was like a movie and listening to the playlists when I'm cleaning or cooking I definitely listen to the playlist like nonstop and on loop like it's crazy it really I really find I feel like I'm screaming it really I really feel like it like puts you in that like mind space the playlist like yeah 1000 percent. yeah I do that for sure yeah and I'll hear a song and I don't know why or how but I'll be like oh that's this book yeah it just will connect and like I have ones that are like already for book four because that I was adding to the book four playlist when I was still like on book one because sometimes it'll just it'll be like oh this is it duh so then I'll, so I'll get random feelings that like a song is for a certain book and then I'm listening to it and I get an idea of a scene to go along with it so in some ways it's like the songs are plotting yeah, for me I love that I love that I always feel like that's why I feel like when you're blocked you should just literally do anything else but think about the book because I'm a big believer that like your answer the answer to your block is going to come from like a random thing you hear on the radio who listens to radio anymore but or a random thing that you're watching a movie and this one thing happens and it just lows your mind and it's so inconsequential mm-hmm. what's the word wow I was going to speak French for a second there. <laughs> inconsequential Inconsequ- for anyone else but you and you're like holy shit this makes so much sense wait but first to rewind back to the like going on runs yeah, or yeah, whatever yeah. when I started writing book three I re-injured my tailbone so I haven't been able to work out or go on long walks or anything and it's I think that's honestly a big reason why I've been stuck because usually those are my like getting yeah that's but it's healing or maybe hear me out it's your body saying I really just want to (laughs) break hear me out we don't got time for breaks yet October will be when I take a break oh lord wrap-up question your favorite quote or a quote that you like slash have written recently from your current work in progress okay I'm gonna say just because I remember it now off the top of my head so the reason I think I like this quote because I'm gonna say this going really like okay it's not that like crazy right but the reason I think I like it is because Bastion if you Bastion from was I ever here and then you'll learn you'll get to know him a little bit more in was I ever real he doesn't say anything right he's like a man of zero words right so like when he does say something or when he admits to something like it it feels very exciting and so the FMC which I will not name at this at this moment tells him he's smoking outside like a cigarette outside and she's ew like why are you smoking at eight in the morning or whatever? She's like, oh, I'm not the one smoking at eight in the morning. So then he like just like stays silent for a second and like stubs his cigarette. And then he says, I can't wait to learn about your vices. Oh, I was going to say your name. (laughs) (laughs) So he says, I can't wait. I can't wait to learn about your vices. And I was like, "Ah." (laughs) because not only is he saying more than two words, but he has an interest and curiosity. I know. (laughs) 
freaking out. So yeah, I'm very much giddy about those characters. So I always say that I'm obsessed with the book that I'm writing, but this one is quite up there <laughs> with the obsession. Yeah. What about you? Okay, so this is... So I think the FMC for book three, which is what I'm I love her name, by the way. I haven't told you that. Oh, thank you. So her name's Reggie, and she is the daughter of a Mexican cartel like Kingpin. And oh, maybe I should change. Okay, wait. Okay, this is the one that's like pretty that y'all were like, this could be a Oh yeah, I like that one. I remember this one. I'd always been a Cortez, but I was, but now I was committing myself to my family's legacy with this oath on my skin. I guess oaths are only wishful promises made with good intentions until fate decides to laugh in your face. Love that. And I'm like, who I know, you're like, who wrote this? I love when that happens though. When you reread something, you're like, did I write that? Sounds great. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds amazing. The quote that like, I had in my head the longest, like weeks before I started writing, was, it's easy to look at me, the daughter of the Cortez cartel kingpin, turn forensic pathologist, and assume I'm doing it to rebel against the crimes of my father, but that's not it. I'm simply fascinated by the stories dead bodies tell, and murdered ones tell the most interesting stories. Yeah, I love her character. Like, she's probably going to be my favorite. Because that's like literally, <laughs> like I was. I considered becoming a forensic. What is it called? Path- pathologist. Pathologist is like the ones that are like medical mm-hmm. examiners. It's because I was a bunch of bones, and I was. I used to watch bones all the time. So I, I majored in anthropology. Oh, really? And I took a lot of bioarchaeology oh, classes, and one of them, like I took a bioarchaeology of mummies, bioarchaeology of human sacrifice, which was like wow. my favorite one, and that's so morbid. But I was like. These like yeah, yeah, yeah. human sacrifice right bodies are so cool. Anywho, so that's a little bit about that's me. Cool. I didn't know that. Okay, that was our wrap up question. Is there anything else that you want to add for our listeners? Oh, wait, this is gonna be coming out next week on the seventh. On the seventh is that the day of our giveaway? On the, on the eighth. When is our giveaway? I think the seventh. Should we talk about the giveaway? Yes. Okay. Okay. So if you're listening to this on the day that it airs, me, Naomi, and Marie Maravilla are going to be doing a giveaway with six books. It's going to be the first two books in each of our series, which are all like crime syndicate, murdery, (laughs) spicy. They're such different. Like all of them are such different vibes, but they're also all very much and i think the giveaway is only gonna be live for 48 hours so if you're listening to this on the day that it airs go to our profiles jump on it because because it's gonna be the best that's gonna be a really good giveaway like six books like hello i'm excited other than that happy reading and we'll see you next week bye